Hello and welcome to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. I'm Andy Barr, owner of Barr Transportation. We're so glad you joined us today. Now, our mission here is very simple at Barr Transportation. It's to provide you with the most reliable and honest national transportation for your goods, paired with proactive communication throughout the entire life of the load. Now, this podcast is designed exactly for you. It's for sales managers, produce managers, logistics managers, traffic managers, the entire C-suite, anyone else who really wants to perform at the top of their game in this global food and beverage industry. So whether you're big or small, West Coast or East Coast, this podcast is meant for you. Now make sure to stick around at the end of each show and we'll reveal how you can apply to be on the show yourself so you can grow your authority, build partnerships, and help your business boom. Interviews are about 15 to 20 minutes long. And I'll leave you with my favorite quote, preparation plus opportunity equals success. That's it. I'll see you on the inside. Enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back, everyone. Today is August 31st, 2021, and we have Joe Choquette on with us. Joe, welcome. Thanks, Andy. I'm really happy to be here, and great pronunciation of a really big word jumble last name of mine. (laughs) No, no, absolutely, absolutely. You know, folks, we have a, a true food and beverage veteran with us today, okay? He started food and beverage companies, uh, he's been working in the space for over 10 years. Uh, he has experience with podcasting. It, so this, this conversation, I cannot wait to get going. We're going to, we're going to have a lot of fun. So Joe, thanks again for, for joining us. Yeah, I look forward to it, Andy. Absolutely. Okay. So Joe, for, for listeners that, you know, don't know you, uh, don't know your history, if you want to mind, and just like a, a brief synopsis, like kind of who are you? What's your history? Uh, looks like you are the national account manager for Vistar. And kind of, you know, touch on that if you would. Sure, absolutely. In fact, why don't I start there and then work backwards? It's probably a little bit easier and probably a little bit more digestible for the folks that are listening. So yes, currently I'm a national account manager for Vistar, which is a uh, wholly owned subsidiary of Performance Food Group, which is our parent company. It's a publicly traded company. Stock symbol is PFGC. Um, on the NYSE. Great company. It is a food distribution company. In fact, um, little known fun fact here, Andy, number two behind Cisco nationwide. So U.S. Foods is a third uh, with PFG's recent acquisitions, which we can touch on shortly. uh, We have now catapulted ourselves into the number two spot for food service broadline and uh, convenience solutions. So my, my specific position is that I manage Uh, large corporate contracts with some of the larger uh, providers in my particular space. And my space of specialty is vending, office coffee service, and military. Uh, So in those spaces, I manage contracts for companies like Sodexo, uh, companies with membership groupings, so buying groups like the Ruben, uh, sorry, the Randolph Shepard Act, which is Blind Vending uh, Merchants of America. Also, I handle the contracts for American food and vending um, and the entire military. So Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard. Very good, very good, awesome, awesome, okay. And before you were at Vistar, uh, you were in the gourmet food business. Correct, so I, I prior to coming to Vistar and establishing relationships with uh, people in my current position, I was working for a supplier 
to Vistar. Um, so I was doing both direct sales to companies like, you know, again, like the Air Force and Nexcom, um, as well as other distributors in the in the the ethosphere, but also uh, supplying Vistar so that they could then turn and sell our product. And the product I worked for a company called Original Gourmet Foods. I, as I was mentioning to you in the pre-interview, Andy, this is a site brand. It's not it's not a name brand. But when people see those two products that they specialized in, one was a candy item, one was a cookie item, they immediately know that item. Um, so had a phenomenal time working for them. And I came to them after starting, growing, and then being acquired by a large national e-gifting company with a gourmet food company that I started. In fact, I actually started a gourmet popcorn company before that wave crested and crashed. So I was you know, right place, right time, right circumstances. And it really catapulted my love and interest into the food industry. I've never, I can't imagine myself leaving this industry and going backwards. I, I just view every day as one more step forward in my professional progression. That's great. That's great. No, I mean, just having the, the breadth of experience is, is phenomenal to have as you can speak on different types of not only products, but dif different perspectives of the same industry. So, oh, for sure. I tell, I tell a lot of my supply partners now when they're getting, you know, anxious about us moving on an item or carrying a new product innovation that they have to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, allow the, the progression to happen naturally because, you know, it will, it's just managing expectations and suppliers, you know, all they want to do is get their product into the largest distribution house in the country. So that way you can touch as many, as many doors as possible for them. And I, I get that. Uh, but I've, I've worked both sides of that desk. So I can see both perspectives now. And I, I hope that I'm offering a value added service uh, to my supply partners, as well as to my customers on how products move through our system. Absolutely. And as you as you look at Vistar, you know, a, a large company and a, uh, a company that has many brands, right, and many suppliers. So when you when you look at Vistar, what would you say are the, the main advantages as you compete in that consumer packaged goods space? I can be all things to all people, Andy. That's the beautiful thing about distributing 65,000 different SKUs. We have uh, huge contracts with Mondelez, with Mars, with Hershey, with uh, General Mills, you name the major manufacturer, whether it be Coke, Pepsi, Gatorade, um, in the beverage space, Smart Water. It, the brand itself is always obtainable for Vistar. So when, I, when we are negotiating a large national contract with a, with a customer, we can be that one-stop shop for them because not only do I have all of the snack items that I mentioned and candy items, but we also have an entire line of refrigerated and frozen opportunities that we can provide to our customers, which is wonderful. It, it, it gives you that confidence when you're sitting across the desk from somebody that you can tell them that they can condense, they can do a vendor consolidation to a single point and still receive everything they want with new products to come. Wow. Wow, that that I mean, sixty-five thousand SKUs with with all the the additional features. Yes, I would say that qualifies as a competitive advantage. <laughs> <laughs> it makes meetings a little bit easier than they have been in the past. I'll tell you that much. Sounds good. Uh, when you look at the space, the consumer packaged goods industry as a space, uh, what 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 what's your opinion on what is going on? Is there M and A action? Are people entering the space? Are they leaving the space? What's, what's going on? 
I think that the, I think the overall, if I was to give you a five-year picture, Andy, I would tell you that over the course of the last four and a half to five years, we've seen more and more boutique and niche items in the better for you space um, and in the organic space, basically focusing on the emerging buying clan of Gen Z um, and ensuring that you're meeting those consumer needs, requirements, and wants coming in has, has really allowed a lot of smaller, more niche companies to flourish. Um, however, that being said, in, over the course of the last 16 to 18 months, I've also seen a huge ebb in that as well, um, given the, you know, the climate that we're in. It's the consumer, at least over the last 12 years, uh, 12 months, has been progressing closer and closer back toward traditional brands and traditional nostalgia items. Um, However, there's there's really huge push for for these niche items. It's just they're not as prevalent as they had been, say, two years ago. Definitely, definitely. And when you look at the past eighteen months with COVID, you know, how's business? How you know is it? You know, <laughs> I'm sure there's some good things, some bad things, some in betweens. You know, sure. some some opportunities, some threats. You know, do a whole SWOT analysis for us. <laughs> I have no problem doing that. I mean, COVID is everybody's favorite C word. Um, I will tell you that in the course of the pandemic, from its onset, you know, for major shutdowns in March of 2020 through last week, um, you know, it's not, I'm not breaking any news here, Andy, saying that every industry has felt an impact at different points over the course of this pandemic. Um, being a distributor, we kind of handle these uh, or we experience some of these challenges uh, daily from different aspects every day. So whether it's, you know, transportation, logistical support, the suppliers being able to get the product to our DCs in order for us to ferret it out to the individual customers for purchase and delivery, that's been a challenge. Um, there's been a huge challenge in regards to uh, hourly employees. So a lot of our DCs, we have 23 of them across the United States uh, to include uh, actually 23 plus one, 24 total. And of those three of them are fully automated uh, fulfillment centers, very similar to the, uh, the idea or the visual you would get when you think of an Amazon fulfillment center where everything's automated, it's pick, pack and ship. Um, as well as demand warehouses, we've seen a huge dip in applicants, uh, even though we offer extremely, extremely competitive hourly rates in that space, it's difficult to get people to just come for the interview. Um, and case in point, in July of this past year, uh, myself and everybody else that was on the national team were asked to donate a week at one of our fulfillment centers to assist in getting orders out because they felt like they were starting to fall behind in making sure that we had on-time delivery. So, you know, a group of 25 of us spread ourselves out over five weeks, five per week, to help that particular DC get caught up because they had such a labor constriction at that point. That has since, you know, ferreted itself out. So they're all in a better spot now. But it illustrates the point that, you know, labor has been a huge issue for us. And then on top of that, go a little bit further into the, the production or the, the ethosphere that is getting products from supplier to customer, our manufacturing partners, whether it be General Mills, Mondelez, Mars, Nabisco, name them, um, they've all suffered in one way or another through the pandemic, either through reconfiguring assembly lines or reconfiguring production lines to, to assist for social distancing. They've all dealt with their 
you know, with folks that have come down with COVID and then what protocols are in place. Um, certain supply partners have been better at adjusting. Others have struggled more. Definitely. Um, specifically those in the poultry space for us have really struggled. Um, and in the candy space, we've seen it as well. So for instance, a supply partner that was able to, on a daily basis in one of their manufacturing facilities, have four lines producing four different candy bars at the same time has been reduced to one line. Oh so my. Know now that, you know, let, I'm just using it as an example, but let's say Mars, they're making Snickers on Monday, they're making M&M peanut on Tuesday, M&M brownie on Wednesday, and regular M&Ms on Thursday, where they were doing all four of those on Monday two years ago. So it's it's really fallen on myself and our sales organization to communicate effectively with our customers, to let them understand, to be clear and transparent on issues that we're, we're facing with our supply partners. In fact, we've actually instituted over the course of the pandemic, a supplier trouble table, which is a transparent hmm. exercise between our supply partners, us as the distributor and our customers to understand you know, for instance, we'll take a, a, a company that struggled mightily through the pandemic is Advanced Pierre, which is a division of Tyson. Um, they've put allocation into grocery, but not into distribution channels and food service. So that's created a huge gap in sales for them and for us. Um, their inbound fill rate, Andy, is sub 20. Oh my gosh. At PFG and Vistar, we have a industry standard that they are expected to meet of 98.5% inbound fill. So if I order a thousand, if I order a hundred cases, I'm only going to get 20. <laughs> that's, that's rough. And if you try to jump it up and order a thousand cases, you're still getting 20 because they're going off of your historic usage. So there's no way to job the system or cheat it out to try to get more product into the system for our, our specific channel. So that has been a huge challenge for us, but it's really allowed uh, people in my position and in, in lower levels of our sales organization to really engage with the customer, really build those strong trust bonds where they don't roll their eyes when you say, listen, we have an inbound fill rate of 20% from the supplier. Um, we're struggling here. They trust that now. They've seen, yeah. they understand that we're not, we're not making excuses. We're just providing news. And sometimes it's not the greatest news, but it's news. Yeah, challenges are obviously challenges and not the, the most fun to deal with. But like you said, they can lead to deeper relationships with customers because, the, you know, maybe a customer is only used to pretty honestly, you know, service level conversations and not really going deep because you haven't had any big problems. Things are going sure. smooth. But then when, when things do hiccup, then it's like, OK, but then then they see how you react. And then it's almost obviously it's not a good thing the challenge came up, but you after it there's like okay now we have a deeper relationship we know we can rely on each other to communicate and be proactive and not just reactive and and absolutely i mean it's there are some pros out of those challenges so i'll explain yeah. one of them to you really quick andy and it's you know it's when we take a look at the other providers in our specific space we've gained a lot of market share over the course of the pandemic mainly because of how we chose to focus on the pandemic so as soon as it hit and a vast majority of you know, the, the industries that we service, because I might specialize in vending office coffee service and military, but mm -hmm. Star as a whole also services corrections, 
theater. And we have large major contracts with every uh, large brand across the country. Hotel and hospitality, these are industries, airlines that were struck down when the pandemic st started. We're, we're talking about losses of 95% of, of revenue right off the onset. What we decided to do was we took a step back as an executive team and looked at who we felt were really driving our bottom line. And as much as the sales organization does, we figured out real quick that it was our operations folks. It was the folks in the warehouse, our truck drivers, um, our operations specialists. Those were the folks that we prioritized. And as these companies started shutting down, we actually loaned out our drivers and our selectors and pickers and packers to our supply partners. So they became the temporary workforce so that our supply partners had an opportunity to continue to, to utilize the logistics channel. Now, granted, they had to deliver to us. Um, however, right. <laughs> we, we loaned them out and kept them employed. So while a lot of truck drivers um, and folks in the logistics and operations channel through the pandemic lost their jobs, we or were furloughed or were uh, you know basically put out to pasture because there was no, nothing to do, we actually found work for ours. So when you look at the Logistics Hall of Fame uh, for truck drivers across America, there is a huge swath and representation from Performance Food Group and Vistar specifically in that. And there's a reason for that. We, we have excellent tenure with our drivers. Well, the logistics community thanks you because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone can talk about issues in the supply chain, right? But but there's a difference between talking about it, but then also being proactive in how to solve those supply chain issues. So, sure. so thank you for uh, for that. Um, with with Vistar and the future, you know, what's, I mean, what is your vision for the next 12 months? Like what what do you want your your categories to do? Well, I want what everybody wants, which is a return to whatever normal is. Um, however, yeah. what I've seen, at least in the last, we'll call it eight months, since the vaccine has been available, uh, we've seen a rapid return to work. Um, not necessarily in all sectors of our business, but specifically in the office copy and the vending sector of our business, which is the largest portion that Vistar services. So when you look at a pie graph, about 49.5% of the revenue generated by Vistar's arm of PFG is generated through those two channels. The rest is driven through retail, specialty retail, mass retail, corrections, theater, and hospitality gaming. Um, so we, we really have seen a, a, a rapid return. Where we're struggling a little bit is maintaining uh, customer expectations because now that they're open, they want all the products that they need to fulfill their customers' needs. And our supply partners are struggling to fulfill, um, whether they're citing logistical challenges, production challenges, you name it. Um, there has been where products would take three to five days for delivery from supplier. We're now looking at seven to 13 days, um, specifically in the LTL sector. So what we're trying to do is manage expectations. So what I would foresee in the next 12 to, to 18 months, specifically in the channels that I manage, is a, a greater push towards um, bringing that, that extended timeline of delivery down uh, closer to the pre-pandemic levels, which will then meet the needs of the customers. Because we went from nobody ordering any product and suppliers throwing away uh, aging inventory 
to now we need all the product that we used to have and we need it yesterday. So right. it's, it's working with everybody to find and strike that balance. In fact, I have a, a poster on my, my cork board in front of me while I'm talking to you. And it says, remember, at the end of the day, it's all about balance. So, you know, there's going to be good. There's going to be bad. You just have to find that middle ground where everybody's at least content. Um, so that's, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a return towards normal. Currently, the sectors that I manage are only down about 25% year over year. So I'm excited about that, but it also shows you how that drive to return is putting a lot of strain on the, the manufacturing and logistical community at this current time. Definitely, definitely. That's, that's a very good recap. And, uh, you know, it's, it's well said. As we, as we kind of close here, Joe, is there maybe any last parting words or anything, any news with Vistar or new products or anything you want to leave our listeners as we wrap up and maybe a way to connect if they're interested? Sure, absolutely. Uh, first, in regards to new, there's always something new and exciting happening at PFG and Vistar, uh, whether it be bringing in new supply partners in a different niche segment of the business that was that we weren't necessarily prevalent in prior. Uh, perfect example is kombucha. Uh, it's really seeming to catch on coast to coast now versus just the West Coast. So, you know, whether it be unique items like that or product innovation, ones like Mondelez, Mars, and Hershey's, uh, or General Mills, we're, we're at the forefront of that. So our customers know that we're always going to show them that product innovation as soon as it's available. Uh, beyond that, I would say that Vistar is in a very aggressive posture uh, this year and into the future, and even in previous years. Over the course of just the last three years, we have acquired uh, E.B. Brown out of the Chicagoland area, which is a convenience distributor. Uh, because we didn't feel like we had a strong enough toehold in convenience solutions. Uh, so we purchased okay. a distributor in that, that space. Um, and they're an independently operating sister company of PFG. Um, most recently in March of this year, it was announced that we had purchased um, Cormark, which is another larger distributor in the Northeast Corridor and nationally. Uh, but we purchased them because we wanted to expand our availability for products in quicker turn times to our customers. Uh, that being said, the integration of Cormark into the, the PFG family uh, should transpire over the course of the next 12 to 14 months, but they are still currently operating as a separate entity. However, they are owned by PFG, which is our parent company. So those are some of the advances. We've extended our, um, our reach, extended our market space, I can speak specifically to the United States military channel um, where we've made tremendous strides over the course of the pandemic in both appropriated and non-appropriated fund spend um, and have really expanded our business both with the VA as well as the, the, the four major branches of the DOD um, military. So basically Army, Air Force, Navy, and Marine Corps. And then under the Department of Homeland Security, Coast Guard is also in there as well. Joe, you are a busy man, my friend. We have a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being on, Joe. Sincerely appreciate your time. Stay safe and uh, hope to catch you on an episode coming up in the future. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. I'm Andy Barr with Bar Transportation. Now, if you are a successful leader in the food and beverage space, 
believe in your company, and want to share your story, really look no further. All you have to do is go to bartrans, B-A-H-R-T-R-A-N-S dot com forward slash podcast forward slash apply to apply to be on the show. Lastly, if you enjoyed listening to our show, please consider sharing the link or a screenshot on your social media account. We want to help as many people as possible who truly believe education and discussion is where it all starts. Of course, if you know someone that would be a great guest, connect with us and we'll explore to see if it's a good fit. Again, thank you for listening to the Food and Beverage Leaders Podcast. And as always, we'll leave you with our favorite quote, preparation plus opportunity equals success. Now go crush life and we'll see you again soon.